0: There's so much power in asking yourself the question, what do I want? And that is something that I really loved about today's guest, Jui Wong. She is the CEO of Olaplex, it's a hair treatment company. And her journey is so inspiring because she doesn't have a traditional beauty industry background, but what she's done time and time again is that. If she sees a new opportunity that she wants, she goes after it. It really inspired me that I, too, can change and adapt and move and think about what I want as I go along in my own journey. Even before Jui started her career, she went from country to country, from Singapore to Australia to the U.S. And then she continued that journey, taking her family from country to country. It was very normal to her because she really took ownership of what she wanted.
1: I started in Thailand, then got transferred to Hong Kong and then the U.S. But my family was in Arizona and I was doing the commute from Scottsdale, Arizona to purchase in New York, Mondays and then Thursday, a turnaround. And a couple of years after that, I joined the Dial Corporation and that was my first entry into beauty and CPG. And that was when I started working for beauty brands, indie brands, private equity-backed brands, turnaround situation. So long story short, I know ultimately, my background has been not a traditional beauty background, and I find myself very fortunate because instead of choosing the traditional path, I chose the turnaround path. And that got me a lot of notice with private equity investors. And when they needed somebody to really take on a turnaround role, my name got thrown into the pile. And the good news is I have never looked for a job since my first private equity role in 2009. Every time just before I finish or as I'm about to be uh, done, I get a recruiter or I get the private equity calling me. And that gives me a lot of equity in the space.
0: What's really incredible about Jui is that she comes into a company for just a short amount of time. She turns it around meets all the financial goals, and then goes into another company and does the same thing. And I really think it comes down to her understanding her strengths and understanding her desires. Even though her path was not a normal path, she seemed very confident in the idea that her path is what
2: she chose. I think it's incredible to find someone who has such clear goals for herself, for her life, for how she conducts her business and her craft. And that really shows through, including how she recognized her toughness on rearing her kids and really have really high expectations of her own children, let alone her, I imagine her teams and the folks that she works with. So she irradiates, even through the line, she irradiates this sense of, I may not know what I want right now, but I will find it out and I will get there and I will get it done.
3: She knew what she wanted. And I think many of us, sometimes we may choose our careers or choose the way to live life because of what we know and a lot of the times people may be in a career that they may not enjoy because that may have not even been their purpose it's just that
1: we just took that
3: versus what i heard from her is i may have not known how i was going to do it but i knew where i wanted and i was going to get it done
1: my late husband passed away in 2009 but i remember coming home one day and just saying we were in la and just telling him We're moving to New York in like three weeks and we're going to go look for a place. And he's like, great, let's go and let's do this together. So I've never had this notion that I needed to check in. I needed to stop and think. I just kind of did it because I felt like it was the right thing for myself, for my family. And that since it's the best thing, there's no need to discuss it further.
3: She had all the confidence in the world to do it, but not once did it sound that she's like, I did this because that was the right thing to do or, or yeah. society thought I should do or my parents thought I should do.
0: We talk a lot about parents influencing our lives with all of these guests. They talk about their parents and what shaped them and what shaped her was empowerment.
1: My mom was very busy as a career woman. She started off with a nursing degree and then was in Malaysia, went to Singapore and started working for Exxon Chemicals and went from a stenographer to the head of the IT department. I was her daughter, and I always thought that, oh, all women can be successful like her. I looked at her, and so I would say, that's how it should be. And then my father was in the civil service and really retired quite early and took care of my brother and I. So I grew up in a household where roles were reversed, but I never thought anything about it. In fact, I was always so proud that the fact that my father was at every school event and was always there for me while my mother was doing all the travel. And I thought, hey, i like to have a little bit of both. And I think because my parents left me and my brother in a way that you decide for yourself what you want in life. We will give you a safe environment. We'll give you a home. And you'll never want, but, you know, you make those decisions. So I make the decision to decide to go to Australia for school. I make the decision that in between Australia, I wanted to go to UCLA as an exchange scholar. I mean, if you think about it, nobody told me what was the right path.
2: When I first left home, I was very young. I had a part-time job and I wanted to go abroad. And it was funny because my parents said, yeah, as long as you can pay for it, you can go do it. I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I remember I saved up the money. I got myself a ticket to London, an airline ticket. And then I came home and I say, hey, I got it. I saved up the money, Use the ticket. <laughs> I think my parents didn't, didn't think I was going to do it. And rather than saying, sorry, no, we changed our minds, even though it was ever so painful for them to let me go in my early teens, I don't think I will ever do that with my own son they followed through with their promise and what they had said to me that I was okay to do. So I think we need to find folks in our lives. That sometimes it's our parents, sometimes it's a friend or a sibling or a mentor who is empowering you to think bigger than you think you can and who's empowering you to propel you to at least initiate that discovery or that process of becoming. Not many of us know what we want to do or what our goals are or where the ultimate purpose might be for us in life, but we certainly need to really get on and take that first step to explore it.
3: In life, many of us are still looking for somebody to give you that permissibility. But I asked myself, why do we give that power away when at the end of the day, we're the ones that make the decisions. We're the ones that live that journey. We're the ones that have to take the actions. We're waiting for somebody to give us the permissibility to do something when in fact we had the power all along.
0: I just had a coaching client, a man in his mid-40s. He came to me Trying to figure out what his next career move was. And I don't hold back when I'm coaching. So, all of the stories he told me, like people basically put him in positions where they thought he could succeed. And I said, You know, it sounds like you don't have boundaries. And that stems from not knowing what you want. So, I gave him this homework assignment to ask himself what he wanted. And he said, I've never asked myself that ever in my life. How am I 45 years old? And I've never done that. And so, Three weeks later, he changed his relationships. He figured out his career. He said every single day, he asked himself, what do I want? What do I want? All day. Even when it came to ordering food, like what do I want to eat? Instead of what's available or what's easy, just the act of asking himself, what do I want for dinner? He had never done before.
2: It's a bit paradoxical for us as women to think about ourselves because many of us, that would be a trait of being selfish rather than selfless. I even find myself as like, oh, can I ask myself that question? Because otherwise he feels that I'm putting myself ahead of everybody else, ahead of my child, of my husband, of my friends, my co-workers. It's very counter to the way that many of us have been brought up, that you're always there to give, you're always there for others and for your community, for your family, for those who you care, and you put yourself last, right? So changing that paradigm, there's a lot of a struggle to be able to take ownership, to ask yourself the question, what is it that I want? And you may not know immediately, but at least... Allowing yourself to entertain the possibility that you can achieve what you want, it's this sense of regaining your own power to fulfill your desire as a human being.
1: When you are at the workplace, no one expects you to be a superwoman. Everyone has their vulnerabilities. And in fact, in the past, people used to say, Don't get emotional at work, you know, just keep a stiff upper lip. You know, if you want to cry, go to the bathroom and cry. I mean, how many times have we heard of that? But I think today, executives and the rank and file, people who work for you, do appreciate that you have empathy, that you understand what they are going through, and that you are only human. You will make mistakes. In fact, if you don't make mistakes, there is a problem. Because you know, recruiters have told me, don't tell me only of your successes. Let us know about your failures because how you handle your failures will actually tell you what you are as a leader. Everyone can deal with success, right? Failures are the ones that really bring out the truth person. And obviously you also have to have a bit of sensibility. Tenacity is great, but stupidity is not.
0: What you want doesn't necessarily mean you're being selfish. So I could want to change the world. I could want to impact lives. I could want to give back. So asking myself, what do I want? Doesn't mean I want a million dollars so I can go splurge on a shopping spree. I mean, yes, I do want that. I'll claim that right now.
3: (laughs) Hello, take me. (laughs) right?
0: (laughs) But I think that we immediately stop ourselves because we don't want to be selfish. And that's not true. Asking yourself what you want is part of your identity. It it gives you agency to move forward. And if everyone asked what they wanted and walked into that power, if you think about all these women who are listening to our podcast, who are guests on our podcast, we've seen it time and time again, when someone owns who they are they own their voice they ask themselves what they want they make a difference and they move forward in exponential ways this is all about overcoming barriers we don't know what she was expecting for example when she moved to hong kong and anytime anyone moves their entire lives to another country there's no way you can say i know exactly what barriers are going to come like <laughs> you just can't and so I think what you were saying is that Jui really understands that they're there and knows how to navigate around them.
1: I think barriers are always there. It will be a lie for me to sit here and say that my life was smooth sailing. Breaking those cultural barriers that says that a woman has to make choices at the very beginning and that you may have to take a backseat in your career. I never felt that I did that. If anything, because I have empathy in knowing what it takes to balance both a family and also being an expatriate. It wasn't just being in one country at one time. It was literally in seven years with Cargill, I was in four different countries and had two kids in the process. I tend not to talk a lot about my family. So for eight years, everybody knew I was married. They knew I had children. Very few people realized how I was juggling things.
3: She is constantly moving out of her comfort zone because she knows what she wants. So it doesn't matter what the barriers are. She's not a slave to a job, to a company, to a country, to anything. And she's moving forward where I think a lot of times, many of us get comfortable where we are and it's so difficult to move out of Mm -hmm. of the position or, or situation we're in. And we become slaves to that. And we forget our north.
2: Staying in a comfortable position sometimes, is it because you really want to stay there or because there's an expectation as well? I love that. To stay where you are. And at the same time, you can get a little complacent in that situation. But to what extent is really that pushing you to grow as a human being, as a professional as a partner, is qualifying the want in a way that truly it's going to make a difference for yourself and that will allow you to then take on Anything that comes your way, because you know that's only going to make you stronger, more self-confident, and is going to increase the possibility of you getting to what is going to bring you joy and growth in whatever you desire.
0: Even when it came to overcoming cultural barriers, Dewey owned her power then. She recognized the stereotypes against Chinese people, and she used them.
1: I think, you know, people tend to kind of have certain perceptions of certain cultural groups, and perception is 99% reality. In my case, you know, being Asian and being woman, and kind of petite, I think people look at me and say, you know, in Asian in general, you're a great worker. You are very respectful and you basically will get the job done in such a way that we ask you to. And you're very good with numbers, you know, you're very data-driven. So that's what they really generally think of Asians. I may not be that at all, but I let those stereotypes work in my favor. And then what I do is I showcase that I actually can work smart. I don't have to just work hard. I do have a point of view and I will share it with you, but respectfully. And more importantly, I am also very creative. I'm not just a numbers-driven person. I have empathy and I can build a team. And I think when they have that conception of who I am, and then I'm able to kind of change that perspective, not so much that I'm no longer good at what they thought, but that I'm also good at other things, I then come across as a complete package. I always tell people it's great to be underestimated because then you surprise people and it's a little bit like, you know, under-promising and over-delivering
0: oh, you think I'm analytical and really good at math? I'm going to show you how creative I am and how strategic I am. And she ended up taking the stereotypes and reclaiming them in a way that helped her to leverage it for power. So when people learned that she had these other gifts, they're actually her natural talents on top of what they assumed,
2: Yeah. And it just made her look like a rock star. Absolutely. Because of who we are, either women or women of color, there are so many stereotypes that are thrown at us every single day, not just at work, but everywhere. And it's so easy. It's like when someone is throwing at you something bad and then you just take it and you keep it, and it's hurting you, but you are just not doing anything about it. On the contrary, you are taking it personally. Whereas Julie did completely the opposite. What could have actually taken away her own power, she outs the way that they were coming at her, but really owning it and then showing it in a different way that would demonstrate that she was way more. So in a way, she was being incredibly strategic.
3: Actually made me think of situations where I've been stereotyped. Oh, you, Latina, you are so passionate. And I'm always like, I drive for results. But besides the point. uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you do. You get them.
3: (laughs) I, I feel that there were times that I... Had an opportunity to demonstrate how strategic I could be, how impactful in different other ways that I could be. And I didn't because I was so cautious to make sure that people didn't just see me as a passionate person that it blocked me. I'm like, I just wasted that time because I was so busy worrying about the stereotypes that people continue to remind me of. And I could have just done what Jewey did, taking advantage be at that table and really prove to them and show that I'm more than what you just think of me.
2: We can't underestimate that it's not easy. I think we've talked before about microaggressions and how hard, even in the moment, it is to recognize what is happening to you is exactly that. Somebody is even more tactful and smart (laughs) to do it in a way that you don't even notice that is, you know, but it's poking at you and at your core that it's really making you or, or diminish who you are. Let's put it that way. So, and and it's, it's tough. It's tough to be on your game all the time to say, you know what, when you call me passionate, I'm going to say, yes, you're absolutely right. I am passionate. And that is why, the way that I am thinking is gonna bring you X, Y, and Z. It's tough. It's exhausting. And I and at the same time, I think we need to push ourselves to outsmart what's coming our way. And again, leverage it in our favor as much as as much as we can and own it, right? Own it to give us that self confidence and and to the extent possible put it aside and just push through.
3: I think that's where the knowing your north or knowing your why comes in. It's so difficult because I don't feel the microaggressions are going to go away anytime soon. You know, unconscious bias is on everybody. And I think now that because of everything that's going on around the world, we're more conscious of it when we see them. Right. Right. So I think it's really up to each individual to say, hey, am I going to call that out? Or am I going to let that stop me? Or am I going to use this to my advantage? and uh, really make a, a an impact in what I want versus thinking about what they want, which could seem selfish, but at the end of the day, it's something that's going to continue to help us move forward to impact the world in a better way.
0: The exercise you did of reflecting back on the times where you didn't use your power, you didn't say, I'm passionate, and I think that's how we get through because I started thinking about the times it wasn't easy. And for me personally, it's when I felt imposter syndrome and someone called me out. I remember I was leading a project I wasn't qualified for and this man came in and honestly, I was doing a good job, but he said, why are you here? And why are you leading? And I just shrunk. And I let that feed into my own imposter syndrome and later I still like you know I still went and was successful with the project but I am mad at myself for letting it get to me in the moment. And so I think that what you're talking about is really reflecting on those moments and becoming
2: aware so that the next time you don't shrink. We've talked a lot about balance. It means so many different things depending on who you speak to. Balance can be health, right? Balance can be, again, having a successful career while you raise a family. Balance can be being able to squeeze everything that that you want to do, be running a marathon while you travel the world for work. It's, it's one of those higher order terms and concepts that... It's very hard to pin down. And what I liked about what I heard from Jui is this evolved way of referring to balance based on where she was at in her career and her own journey.
1: You can have everything, just not all at once. I knew that if I did not have kids young, I probably would not. And so I was a very young mother, which means that I had to be responsible at a very young age I also felt like uh, my kids did not have everything that they needed from me. And I know it, you know, from things that has happened. And so I'm fortunate now they are able to take care of themselves. They have their own family. I feel like they are more my friends now than they are my children. I'm a tiger mom and I probably always will because even when they were little, they come home with a great report card. The first thing I would say is, you know, where do you rank? And they say, we really don't know. I say, if it's so easy for you to get so many A's, obviously the classes were not that difficult. Or if they don't come home with straight A's, I'm like, what's wrong with you? I am pretty tough. And, and I think, you know, they kind of joke about it now.
2: I am ever so glad now to be able to talk about my child with my coworkers Because I know 14 years ago, People weren't talking about their children when I when I was pregnant. They weren't talking about their children at work, and it was uncommon to be able to even have those conversations unless it was just about work, but not about you as a fulfilled, rounded human being that has a life outside work, right? So that evolution has happened because I think the expectations have also changed. So that sense of balance is a little bit of, again, I think balance nowadays is more what makes you sane and fulfilled and healthy rather than what can I do now versus what can I do later? Going back and thinking through the way that we are stereotyped about being women who work and have successful careers is the fact that you may have defined all that you want to achieve, you may have defined and you're very clear about your goals, and you may think that everything is attainable at once, and she very clearly said absolutely you can have it all. But maybe you have to bear in mind that you cannot have it all at the same time, all at once, which I think resonates more now because I think folks are more willing to give up certain things for the sake of their health and the sanity and well-being of those who you love.
0: I had a boss who would always tell us, you know, we're doing marketing. This isn't rocket science. We're not curing cancer. If something is going on in your family, yes, please drop everything and deal with it. And I think that that's kind of a relatively new and even, and that's, it's been an interesting for me as a single person, because I can't say, sorry, I have to go pick up my kids. Sometimes for me, it's just I need a break. And I don't have the excuse of a family that someone can say, oh, okay, we get it. Like, But to have coworkers, bosses, friends even acknowledge that wherever you're at in your stage of life, you are still important. You still have value as a person. Now, when you think about retaining employees and all of the programs that are in place, balance is part of the package sold (laughs) to attract people. Is it real? I don't know. Does
3: everybody do it right? Not sure. (laughs) She was doing what she wanted to do. And I see it all the time now that if organizations do not meet the balance, it's going to be very hard to retain people. But I'm also wondering how many people have asked for it.
2: I don't think nowadays any organization, any potential employer could take the risk to say, hey... I don't care what's happening to your family. I need you here. If they're seriously about sustainability of their business and wanting to grow as a business, having that kind of way of leading and being is no longer acceptable. Our guest alluded to how she is leading the chart in infusing goodwill through her organization and really getting to realize that the well-being of her own workforce is, is truly the well-being of the organization because as the future truly involves exercising and activating programming that infuses that goodwill into organizations because those are the organizations that are going to succeed coming out of this.
1: One of my very first inclination even though I am not from the professional beauty space like I, I have never really worked in a professional hair setting before I came in with a fresh pair of eyes and I asked a question if they need money and they need income because their salons are shut down why can't we as the brand offer an affiliate program where their customers can open, you know, can buy products from us at full price, and we give them a commission up to 35%, which is a lot because we essentially gave almost all of the commissions to them. And everybody's kind of say, but why? But my answer was why not? If we can do well and do good, we will make money and think of the goodwill that we will create. We generated close to $400,000 worth of commissions to a cohort of professionals. And you should see the way they responded to us on social media. They said, when we received your cheque, that was my grocery bill. When I received the cheque, that was my ability to pay part of my rent or my car payment. And it's pretty heartwarming that you could make that difference. So I think, you know, that social aspect, that empathy aspect, is going to come back and at retail, we're going to treat each other with a lot more respect because we had a world without them and we realized we could not survive without them.
3: A lot of the times we think about being empathetic or even having mercy. And I think about as mercy is not just an emotion. Oh, I'm sorry you're going through that. Oh, I'm sorry that you can't come to work or that you're not getting paid. I think it's more about including and understanding the pains and the struggle that the community or your employees or that person is going through and demonstrating action, which I feel is something that Jui did in a macro way when she leverages the power that she has as a CEO to really take action in those communities. First, she thinks through it, understands their pain or what their, their struggles are, and she's like, hey, I can help. Let's demonstrate some action.
0: She started really looking at the industry as a whole in her community, how COVID is affecting hairstylists. And she came up with a solution to help everyone. And it ended up being a win-win for hairstylists and Olaplex.
1: If you want to be successful and you feel like you need to kind of put your point across and get the message across, sometimes it's not that easy. Because common sense, like they say, is not that common. And you need to kind of persevere and push through, not because you just be you're pandemic, not that. But you if you believe and data does point to the right things, sometimes you are not heard. Not because nobody wants to hear you. It's because you don't have loud enough of a platform or a megaphone. So you need to network with people and connect with people that can give you that platform. And, and I believe that as women, certain things are very natural to us. You talk about muscle, you know, it's a muscle memory. I mean, nobody has to really teach us how to be maternal. And the maternal instinct becomes very, very much how we be, work with our teams, you know, and you develop empathy. I mean, I have talked to several executive coaches and they are telling me that a great number of men coming to them and wanting to have coaching on how to be more empathetic. I mean, for a woman, I mean, I hate to say this, it's it's probably, you got to be coached to be a little bit less empathetic because otherwise, you know, you'll end up, you know, giving everything of yourself and nothing is left. In order for us to be worthwhile for the people that we want to help, we need to also reserve energy to continue on that pathway.
2: Unfortunately, common sense is not that common. I absolutely loved how she referred to it because it it is true sometimes it's, it's it's when we say it's not rocket science so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to think through it but it does take the action you can think through it but if you do nothing about it nothing happens yet her approach is how can we
0: win together And the cool thing about Julie is she takes that from company to company. So she's like spreading goodwill where if she serves on a board, if she serves as the CEO, she mentioned that for her leadership is all about stewardship and it's about stewarding her position and then stewarding the people around her so that everyone wins in the end.
1: I think as leaders, we have three Ps, purpose, people, and product and you can always articulate what your purpose is for the organization and you don't sway from that purpose, you can then really rally your people and you can take care of them and really be authentic to them because people will return your business to you a hundredfold. And then your product will be the best product possible because you have people who are passionate and your purpose is right. So to me, those three P's will be my guiding principle. Purpose is key. People are even more important. And then because we are a business, you've got to have a great product.
2: What am I doing every day to steward others to be or become successful?
3: And you don't have to be in a position of power to do that, right? When you ask yourself that question, it could be at home, it could be a stranger, it could be you know your friend, your peer, your family. So I really love the way you frame that because you don't have to be a big executive to make the impact. However, when you're in a position of power, you can influence even more.
1: We got to break through those stereotypes before we can even be seen as having a seat at the table. And I think when we have a seat at the table, it behooves us to actually bring other women along. And I think if each one of us lend a helping hand and is committed and pledge ourselves to do that, we will have enough women in the pipe to be in the C-suite, to be in on the boardrooms, and to be able to kind of say, I will give back. I can do well and do good. But we all got to start doing that because I think there are certain instances where we feel like I worked so hard to get here. Nobody helped me. So you can go fan for yourself. But that's not the point. The point is if you can, why not?
2: What I would add to that is that I think when you're in a position of power, it becomes your responsibility. Agree. That's, I think, the expectation that we should create of of everyone who has a position of power to influence in a way that can have an impact and, and really truly steward others to be successful. Because by doing that, and quoting Dewey, then we will all win together. We will be something that we are truly in it together. Retail
1: services are going to be places of experience rather than just places of transaction. And when you are then going to be in those places of experience, you want to be able to maximize your time and to optimize your interaction. The beauty industry, especially in beauty salons, about 90% of the business is owned by women. And of that 90%, 16% are African-Americans, 23% Asian-Americans, 16% Hispanic. This is an industry where you can really effect change. And all we have to do is to avail our platforms for them. And if we all win together, we all float the boat. Your public stock value is going to be judged by how you treat your people. So I'm very hopeful that we are going to walk away from this with changes that are material and that all of us, whether we work for smaller companies or bigger companies, we are all judged by the same KPIs.
2: In it to win it. (laughs) In it to win it. So Alisa, what's the homework? Because you wanted to leave us with some homework today.
0: I would like to invite our listeners to ask themselves, what do I want? And ask yourself, what do I want in any situation? So whatever your day looks like today, find an opportunity to ask yourself, what do you want?
3: And analyze if your actions reflect what you want. But really scrutinizing it. Why do I want it? For so long, we've been doing what the rest of the world thinks that we should do. It's almost like you have to break out of that routine. So often
0: we live in the land of shoulds. I should do this. I should do that. Instead of just doing what we want and taking action... In that process, we stop playing the victim and blaming the world on our lack of progress or our lack of not having what we want. And instead, we have an opportunity to claim our power by asking ourselves, what do I want? And taking actions based on that instead of taking actions based on what other people tell us to do. more inspiring stories please subscribe on apple spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts if you have a guest you'd love to hear on the show send us a dm on instagram at color pod i'm elisa manhadas producer of color forward thanks for joining us and please leave us a review